people say, well, but I can't come up with better ideas. This, yes, you can. And you have, well, the tips and, and tricks that I can give to people is, first of all, stop looking at everything that is just happening in your industry and start looking outside. Look at the adjacencies that are always adjacencies when one industry overlaps with another, when one, one market overlaps with another. When Airbnb was in a phase of being presented to the venture capitalists, nobody wanted to give them money because the business was marketed as a solution for people who went to conferences and couldn't find hotels at a good price. When they thought tangentially that this could be something for people on vacation. That's when the venture capital money started pouring in, right? It took just that little adjustment to actually make the business one of the most creative inventions in the world of hospitality that has ever been actually placed in our, our literally our fingertips, right? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey back with you, just as we are each and every week. And today, just like every other week, we have a very special guest that is really going to enlighten you. And I hope that this week you are ready to be inspired, um, ready to be moved to open up a part of yourself. So two things I'm seeing here. One, some people need to open up a part of them, themselves that they might not even know exists, or maybe you know yeah. it exists, but you're kind of like, ah. But other of, others of you, hopefully we inspire you to showcase a part of yourself that you actually know exists, but you've kind of yeah, been like, in. yeah, I'll just like put this over here. And, to, and we're going to be talking today about creativity. Mm. And this is going to be fascinating because, you know, we run with people like Theopolis, mm -hmm. who is super creative, right? I remember, yes, the piece right behind us when he created that piece on stage at summer camp upside down. And everybody that was in attendance, 400 people that were there in the audience actually saw him create that. They were so moved yes. by that, watching that creation happen. Right? And, and that was like the conversation, right? Um, Don Roseman was the speaker. Theopolis took the stage. And it was, it was really cool because it was a presentation. And then it was the interpretation of the piece. And everybody was talking about that. But everybody was like, wow, I, I wish I could, I wish do, I that, could do that. Right? Yeah. But look. You probably can't, maybe not that, but you have other parts of you that we need to be able to uncover and amplify. And if we can do this properly, we can even hopefully reveal to you how you could even monetize that. Mm. Not just, you know, this thing started by selling things, but, but by... well, when in your business, mm -hmm. we're all service-based entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about creativity. I was thinking about, you know, how like adult coloring came so popular well, for, a for a little a while yeah, you know, for a little while a lot of people i'm not talking about offices. that I and mean, nothing wrong with that but right. i'm not talking about that i'm talking about this creativity inside of you hopefully we can help you to discover that we have with us a very special guest maria brito she is joining us today maria thank you so much for being on the none of your business podcast thank you sean 
And Lindsay, it's a pleasure to be here with you. You guys are so much fun and funny, and I am so excited to talk to you both about creativity, about innovation, disruption, and entrepreneurship, because I think all those things are intertwined. And in fact, is kind of like the bread and butter of what I do. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have become a successful entrepreneur if I wouldn't have been creative. And uh, I'm excited to share with you guys how I did it and also about my upcoming book, but also how everybody can do it. You can do it. And um, it is certainly a topic that I feel extraordinarily passionate about because the future depends on that, actually. Absolutely. And I want to start out, I start out this way each and every week with a question about how you ended up here. But the reason why this is so important is because, and especially later on when we start talking about Maria and her accolades and what she's done. And then when you visit her site, mariabrito.com, when you visit her site, you realize like she is actually an artist, yep. right? She has talent, but she started out not as an artist. And that's the important part that's so relatable because, you know, people that are watching and listening, they're in a service-based business, like being a lawyer, and they have the potential to go on and, and open up this skill, this, this passion, this inspiration inside of well, them. I was going to say so oftentimes as entrepreneurs, because we get so business heavy and we get so heady when we're trying to do all of these things, we just shove down that creative part of our being. Right. And in fact, you know, you can utilize that for great things. So I, I, I would love to hear your story about how you transitioned from one career to, comp uh, to the other side of the spectrum to another and allowed that to flourish. Absolutely. As you well said, I was a corporate attorney. I graduated Harvard Law School in year 2000, and I moved to New York right after to work in law firms, which are the most uncreative. I mean, they're super creative when it comes about like billing, right? And things like that. <laughs> but they are very uncreative. You get a manual. This is how you work. This is how you dress. This is what you do. This is how the documents have to look. This is how you actually, you know, move paragraphs around. And you may ask, well, why do you go to law school? It's because I grew up in a family where you could only be a lawyer and a, a doctor or an engineer. And it was something that my parents, it was a brainwash, right? Because you, your parents are your caretakers and obviously they meant well, but it was not who I was. They didn't understand that I was a, a person with other skills and desires, right? And so they they were sure that I was going to have a very safe and dependable career by going to law school and practicing. And that was going to be a ticket for my long-term, I guess, you know, security. And I um I spent nine years working in different law firms because you go from one to the next and you say the next one is really going to make me happy. I'm sure that in the next one, I'm going to find the balance that I need, the fulfillment. And man, no, I just could not find happiness or fulfillment in any of those jobs. And so I had always had a passion for visual arts as this, ever since I was a child, not 
as an artist per se, although I'm a creator and I'm, I'm creative, but more as a person who had a desire to connect with the art, to understand the mysteries, to understand the underlying messages, to be able to explain also these things to people caught my attention. And I had been, go but the, the fortune of all this is that I, I moved to New York City in year 2000 and I started going to all the galleries and museums in my very, very spare time and i started building my knowledge and uh, getting a lot of clues because since i had done this informally i was telling some friends what art to buy and what art to acquire and uh they would call me you know months later and say you know or a year later and say well maria that artist that you recommended us is getting so hot is having shows in museums the you know, price has tripled, you have such a great eye. And this was not just random occurrences. I would hear about, you know, this type of things quite frequently. And I started paying close attention to what was happening in the art market. And um, for those of you who do not know, the art market is a $300 billion global behemoth. Um, New York City alone has 1,000 galleries. And the majority of these transactions happen in the United States. And when I started, it was a $30 billion business. And that was in year 2009. And why I decided I wanted to be an art advisor, which is what I do. I actually build art collections for people. That's the main business is highly, highly entrepreneurial because it's I am in sales, basically. But I also have the creativity to give shape to these collections. I also have within the business, a consulting company, a consulting division that works with corporations by helping them innovate, think outside the box, think like artists do, and help them also pivot divisions, pivot attitudes and things like that when they have been stuck for too long. So, but these things came after. So when I saw that a lot of the people who do the job of an art advisor were very transactional. They did not develop relationships with their clients. It was all about like, you know, I sell this, I, you know, they get paid a certain commission and next. And I also saw that they were missing out on the impending revolution of social media. By that time, when I started, there was only Twitter and Facebook and blogs usually were WordPress or blogger because they were not like all these amazing new platforms that exist did not exist and i saw that all those people were actually missing out on connecting with audiences at a different level right i mean it was so snob and so kind of like you know uptight and none of those people had any desire to do a connection with the greater world besides the you know few clients that they were working transactionally. So I said to myself, this is a blind spot because there is so much opportunity in that world and in that space. And these people, because they are experts, right? I mean, there's nothing more dangerous for creativity than being an expert because you just get comfortable and comfortable and comfortable until one day 
you start seeing the numbers go down because you have not innovated in your business for such a long time. So I, I decided to quit a very, very stable and successful career as an attorney where I, ha- I was making really a lot of money. And I had a, an insurance, a 401k, a car service, all sorts of perks and benefits. Uh, and I was like, you know, I'm miserable. This is absolutely nuts that I'm here doing something that I hate. And I am just going to open this business. And I did, and it's uh, I, I never looked back. It's been 13 years. I mean, ups and downs and, you know, all sorts of things. And there have been, one thing I can tell you is that every year I grew and I grew and I grew. I had never shrunk. And uh, some years the growth was 20% and some years the growth was 200%. So I, uh, I, I built this without... Uh, connections because I basically knew a certain amount of people, but I didn't have like a depth of knowledge of who was who. I did not have an art history degree. I, you know, this was, uh, you know, a desire to make a difference, a desire to do something that was not offered. And my observations of the market and the people who served the market uh, were kind of what gave me all the clues to put this together. And so that's how this happened. I love it. It's such a great, inspiring story because I think there's a lot of people out there when they're listening, you know, they're not they're Some of them are in a business that they don't want to be in. And, you know, maybe they don't have the courage to start something new, but oftentimes going down that road can lead to such wonderful, amazing successes and open up to so many opportunities you never knew existed before. So I love that you were even in this successful career and you were like, had this realization, like, why am I doing this? Just like that, asking yourself that question. I think that's amazing. So now you move into the art world and you realize that tapping into these, this creativity and this creative world can actually be utilized in many different forms, right? And I, I was reading about you and I, I love that you were going into corporations and companies and teaching a creativity course. I mean, what a need. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that looked like? That's an excellent question. And because it leads to a lot of different answers. When I started having my first, this is incredible, guys. And and I got to tell you that not every path of entrepreneurship actually has the amount of successes that I had at the beginning, because building a business is hard, right? Mm -hmm. But like a year in the business, I was already working with like Puff Daddy, I had already like, you know, like my clients were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, right? And like, it was actually humbling, but at the same time, it was a confirmation that I was on the right path because if somebody like that had entrusted me to build an art collection, to go hand on hand to art fairs, that meant that I knew what I was doing and I could actually transmit the passion for the business, for what I was doing to my clients. And so one of the, a few of those clients were CEOs of companies and they were absolutely fascinated by my backstory because in the beginning, I was kind of afraid of telling people that I had been an attorney because I was like, first of all, they may not want to hire me. The second, <laughs> you know, like it was like almost like I had committed a crime, right? Like, oh my <laughs> God, I was an attorney, you know? So I was kind of afraid, but in certain, obviously, you know, I mean, look, do, 
having to transition from what I did to, it was a complete shift in identity mm -hmm. really but it was like stepping inside the person I was always meant to be it was actually the opposite of thinking that oh let me just like reinvent myself into something it feels so natural because I was like I'm leaving behind the dark ages I had like a cloak of darkness that had nothing to do with who I was and when I decided to like quit that law firm and moved outside of it it's like I was shining right like I mean it was I was attracting things so yeah. so the CEOs said to me we're fascinated by your backstory and by the the great knowledge that you actually had because I was so intense about learning and connecting with artists and shaking hands with everybody and saying I'm here I you know I'm doing things differently look at me look at me right so the CEO said you know I want you to come to to the headquarters and I want you to like put together a workshop and talk to let's say this level of executives or the managers and tell not only your story but also we want to know what have you gathered from artists because one part of the business for me was also connecting with artists and since I'm in New York and you know like so many thousands of artists live here going to their studios sending them emails you know taking the steps that really nobody was actually bothering to do that I was a pioneer of like blogs with artists photos on Instagram nobody was doing that 13 years ago so they said you have known so many artists you have documented them you have written about them and that was just my little blog at the beginning right we want you to come and tell us what artists think and how they do things because creativity what is creativity really is your unique ability to come up with ideas of value that are relevant for today right so the artists depend on creativity because they are consistently making things that have to look unique because come, come from them right they have to look different and forget about the starving artist myth artists are multimillionaires but you have never seen anything like that in history. Artists are so rich right now. And I'm not talking about like, you know, little rich. I mean, some of them are borderline billionaires. And the, the, that, you know, the, those workshops with CEOs and the companies and whatnot gave me a lot of impetus because I saw that there was an opportunity to do something that is absolutely related to the business, but that had a different angle. And what was the feedback was that we love what you're doing and what you're teaching us because it has allowed us to see things differently. And there is no progress if you don't see things from a different vantage point each time. There is no progress without great ideas. If you think that just going by all the conferences and reading all the trade magazines in your industry are going to give you the path to success you're totally wrong because everybody can do that you have to look outside you have to see things differently so that those um those workshops gave me the the idea to create a more inclusive uh course and i developed this online program for anybody who had you know 300 bucks to spend and uh, those people came in droves and they were extraordinarily successful by the end of the program and so after that, I said, well, in what if we turn this into a book and go even deeper? Because the book is a lot deeper because, you know, people learn different uh, in different ways. Right. I mean, when you have a video and you have a video course and a bunch of PDFs and exercises is a very different proposition that when you sit down with a book because there are very different learning styles. So that's kind of the story of how this came to be. The book launches this week, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I believe exactly. so.
How Creativity Rules the World. Mm. How Creativity Rules the World. And you can, if it's not yet out on um, in your in all of your channels and, yeah, or platforms, Amazon. go to mariabrito.com, M-A-R-I-A-B-R-I-T-O.com. And slash. you can, well, yeah, forward slash book, where you can find it once you're on there. And then you can also access, um, she has, with the pre-order of the book, all kinds of goodies that you can get to help you to spur on your creativity, to access that side of you. Um, and so that you can begin to leverage that for your own good. Yeah. And I want to go back because then you, I want to have you talk about the book, but I want to just go back to something that you said when you were talking about the courses and you said creativity is like your ability to come up with ideas and things that are relative now. I love that definition of creativity because I think so many people, when they're thinking of creativity, they automatically think artists or drawing or, you know, something music. music. Uh, so something that requires this exceptional talent. And in reality, as a business owner, entrepreneur, solopreneur, you have that talent within you relative to the thing that you do. Um, but sometimes I recognize people just have difficulty going into that space. So do you have tips for people that are always in their head and can't really tap into that creative side to come up with those ideas? how they can get there? Well, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, in the 70s, there was a, a scientist and researcher, psychologist called uh, Dr. George Land. And what he did is that he tested children and then he continued working with them. So he tested them first when they were four, then 10, then 15, until they were in their 30s, right? And so what he, and these were hundreds. And so what he did in that study is to prove that people are born extraordinarily creative. And it's mm. not because they can do arts and crafts and cutouts. It was about answers that these kids were giving to, you know, a certain amount of questions. And those questions had a number of value. And the children all scored at 98% creativity. And the same exact kits, when they were measured at 30, they scored at 2%, right? So what that tells us is that what is actually that drowns our creativity is for the most part, formal education. And look, I am all for education, but I am not all for just one way of thinking, right? Like, oh, how do we measure our kids and our, our youth is through all these standardized tests, like the LSAT, the SAT, the SHSAT, right? And whatnot. And that doesn't measure creativity. It measures a level of knowledge of someone that has had to pay tutors and bought books and do, you know, but it doesn't really tell you the way that you have to think, right? It actually tells you what to think, but not how to think. So for people who don't consider themselves creative, first of all, separate the concept from artistry. And it's, I know it's hard, but it is one of the most creative people in, in human history was, the, it was Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs was not an artist. And he was just an incredible thinker who actually was able to connect dots. So people are going to say, but I'm not Steve Jobs. I'm not Steve Jobs either. Neither are you guys. But you guys have ideas. You guys have a podcast that is different from all the podcasts out in the world. You guys have marketing ways to like ways to promote yourselves that are not like other people, right? And so when you think about Elon Musk, is one of the most creative guys out there, right? He is just jumping from one opportunity to the next because he sees things like artists. He sees things 
that are in the possibility. And that is what entrepreneurship is all about. So when entrepreneurs tell me, what do I need creativity? I said, it's the most important skill in your repertoire. They're like, oh, but I am so passionate and I'm driven and I work, you know, to the bone 17 hours. I say, it doesn't really matter if you don't know who you are, what you do and what you're going to give if it's not different. If they up you know, the competitors are going to crush you. You cannot come up with a distinctive message each time. And you're going to have to pivot. Part of being creative is that ability to pivot and change. And we have had to do that, whether we like it or not. That's the other thing. If anything has given, you know, this pandemic to people in business is that you have been forced to change. What once worked didn't work anymore. So you have had to figure out ways to kind of come up, come up with ideas, right? Like without ideas, there's no progress. I always like to put it at the most basic level. And mm -hmm. when people say, well, but I can't come up with better ideas. This, yes, you can. And you have, well, the tips and, and tricks that I can give to people is, First of all, stop looking at everything that is just happening in your industry and start looking outside. Look at the adjacencies that are always adjacencies when one industry overlaps with another, when one, one market overlaps with another. When Airbnb was in a phase of being presented to the venture capitalists, nobody wanted to give them money because the business was marketed as a solution for people who went to conferences and couldn't mm -hmm. find hotels at a good price. When they thought tangentially that this could be something for people on vacation, that's when the venture capital money started pouring in, right? It took just that little adjustment to actually make the business one of the most creative inventions in the world of hospitality that has ever been actually placed in mm -hmm. our, our, literally our fingertips, right? And yeah. so that's for everybody. Creativity is for everybody. Well, that's a phenomenal example of how you can leverage creativity, right? right. So again, yeah. like you were saying, not to necessarily draw pictures or paintings, not artistry, not like artistry yeah, but creativity. Again, how creativity rules the world. It's available on all of your major platforms. Make sure you look it up by Maria Brito. Maria, whenever you write a book, one of the core things that you have to solve for before you put pen to paper is who is this book for and what will it help them do? So who is this book for? Who should buy this book and what will they get out of it? This book is for entrepreneurs. This book is for people who are undecided about their future. And if they want to shift careers or if they want to open new businesses, I'm sure you know the past two years, the United States has seen 10 million new filings of new businesses. That is absolutely extraordinary. We haven't had those numbers since the 1940s. Actually, is the highest numbers ever but in the 1940s there was an influx of you know new businesses because of the post-war etc and what that means is that if this businesses do well we're going to see a, an economic boom in the next five years but for those businesses to do well they have to be able to differentiate themselves from everybody else and that is why this book is so handy because it's a first of all it's highly actionable at the end of each chapter there is a section with a lot of exercises and a lot of activities that people can do anywhere and it just takes that work, right? Like, I mean, 
write down your notes, put together your thoughts. And that's how this book comes alive. Because if you read from the cover to the end, you're going to have a lot of entertaining moments. You're going to learn a lot of new things. But if you don't put them into practice, it's very difficult that the book alone is going to make miracles for you. And one thing that I thought was lacking in creativity books was a part that was, like I said, actionable and gave you ideas on how to, or or not only ideas, but a blueprint on how to materialize those ideas. So this is a book that is highly foundational for anybody who is considering a variety of different options right now, whether it is to start a new business, whether it is to like, you know, kind of like reframe the business you already have. If it's someone who is inside of a company and they want to become entrepreneurs to be more noticeable than they were before, it's also highly helpful. And what I go back to what I said at the beginning, it just really positions the reader into so many different angles and allows people to have a perspective that they didn't have before. And that is invaluable when you want to have ideas that stick and ideas that actually are going to make you make money mm-hmm. in a way that you didn't think before. I love this concept because it's totally not really what I thought when we had our prep to come into this is idea of creativity and how it applies to so many elements um, boy, this is this fascinating. And, and yeah. I love this idea of the intrapreneur. This is one of the ones that we really um, are fascinated with is the concept of intrapreneurship. And honestly, I love that because that's what allows you to stand out mm-hmm. in in your business. If you are an intrapreneur, it's leveraging that creativity. One question that I would have is then, if I were to begin to tap into this, and we say this every episode, like, let's guess what the viewers are thinking. But what about those people that are like, Maria, I absolutely agree with you. And wow, you, you make so much sense. But and here's the but, but I'm afraid, right? I don't want to take it. So if I tap into my creativity, and I say to if I'm an entrepreneur, and I offer up my ideas, and I'm afraid of rejection, I'm afraid that People won't like my ideas or I'm afraid that my ideas won't work and then I'll be ridiculed. Um, Any tips on how we overcome that and step into our creativity? Yes. One of the things I always tell people who have that kind of fear is that you're never going to be as young as you are today. So Mm -hmm. if you are, you know, tomorrow you're going to be older and the next day you're going to be older and you don't want to live with those regrets, right? And so the second thing I tell people is, is it illegal or is it against the laws of nature? If the answer is no to both, what is preventing you from presenting this idea, right? I'm sure you are um, you know, familiar with Brené Brown and uh, Brené, uh, one of her, you know, the, the, the core of her work is vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she very funnily said, I think it was in her TEDx talk, that companies hired her because they wanted to be more creative. And they said to her, but do not talk anything about vulnerability, please, or shame. And um, she said, well, then I cannot go because there are no ideas without vulnerability. I have a similar concept in my book and in my philosophy, which is the concept of authenticity. And this is a lot about how do you express safely your ideas in an environment that may be negative. And it's very important to understand that every extraordinary idea 
and there are no exceptions, was always met with rejection. And why? Because new things, our brain is wired for self-preservation and protection. And anything that threatens safety, comfort, the path of least resistance is always going to be a threat, right? And so how do you overcome that? How do you, first of all, you have to really overcome the fears that you have and knowing, I, I actually say, speak out loud or write down what's the worst thing that could happen if you speak your truth, your ideas, the, the things that you are willing to say. So, you know, for the most part, really, it could be like, you know, a side eye from your boss. It could be like people are like, Ugh. but I believe that the, the culture is changing a lot. And this concepts of being authentic are actually little by little integrated. They're being integrated in corporations, in boardrooms, in small companies, etc. because the other way really stifles creativity. So when, if you are the boss and you're the one who's listening, there is a study that was conducted last year by Wharton University and uh, the University of, um, I think the University of London, where this uh, professors and researchers were invited by a company that was lagging behind their competitors in technology. And they wanted to see what was going on and what was the, the findings or why this particular company was lagging behind every competitor is because the employees did not have the freedom the emotional freedom to express their ideas during brainstorming sessions or when they had, you know, moments of review a project and things like that. And so this was actually strangling creativity in the company. And what they did is that they, they created um, safety, safety of expression, which is actually one of the principles that Google institutes as of the maxims of how the company runs is safety in the expression of your ideas. So if Google can do it, and I don't know if the CEO of Google is listening, but thank you if you are, if Google can do it and it's a trillion dollar company, then you can do it too. Believe me, there is no, it's not that hard. I mean, at the end of the day, right? The only thing that connects us all is our humanity, right? Like that's our shared, um, and, and I think that, it's, it's, we've been already through so many bad things that if you have an idea and it's not welcomed with, you know, bells and whistles and confetti, it's fine. <laughs> at, the at the beginning, yeah. it might be rejected, right? But the, the point is taking those risks consistently actually builds a platform for people to consider you as an innovator. And at some point, you're going to have your the ear of of the people who who can make the decisions if you are not the decision maker and if you are the decision maker consider opening the forum for this crazy ideas because usually the most revolutionary things that happen in businesses come from the crazy ideas that everybody thought at the beginning that it was outlandish right yeah well, I just have to say, because I, you know, Sean and I are always looking at successful individuals and saying, you know, what is it about them that makes them so successful? And it's 
adaptability is a big one. Being able to pivot. You can't, but you can't just be a logical thinker or a linear thinker or have some adaptability. You need to be a creative thinker. And so that's really expanding my thought process on some things that I need to do to open up that creativity to level up. But most importantly, I, what I love what you just talked about is creating a, a culture of creativity and allowing that into the workplace. So it's not just you as an individual and an entrepreneur, but you as a leader so that you can allow your team to do that. And that's how your business can grow. So I thought that was just a really important point, And I didn't want people to miss how important that is in your life and in your business. So it sounds like you learned a lot. I did. <laughs> I learned a lot too. The name of the book is How Creativity Rules the World. You can check it out this week. Um, should be available everywhere. If not, jump on mariabrito.com. You can pick it. You can If it's not yet on the platforms, but when we put this podcast out, so it should the be extras, there. Right? But if it's not yet, you can pre-order. You can go to mariabrito.com, but I'm pretty sure that we've got this coming out with the book. You can get the book. Make sure that you grab that up. Make sure that you read it. And as we always say, you've got to apply Take the action. constructs. Maria, you absolutely killed it. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on the None of Your Business podcast. Thank you, guys. And thank you for everybody who's listening. Uh, love to hear from you once you have big breakthroughs with the book and the concepts that I have just shared. It's important for our economy is important for our mental health to be involved in businesses that we love and that we're super proud of and that we want to see them thriving. We want to see these businesses, like you said, adaptability is one of the most important things that anybody can do at any level. And what comes out of these moments where we have to adapt are new propositions. And those propositions, we have to think about them in the most creative ways or else. I love, I love it. it. Amen. Everybody, we will be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, lock in with us. What are the island boys? I forget what they say, um, but like jump in with us or whatever they're saying. Um, missing Dave Meltzer, our island boy. We'll be back again next week.